China's working on its Made in China 2025 push. The U.S. is playing with fire, but China has fired Global too. economic powerhouse. Young Chinese people are becoming disillusioned with everyday life. China's mobile payment. Cashless. A cashless society. All use QR codes. China. China. People think I don't like China. I love China. Hello, 大家好 Welcome back to another episode of China WTF.、Um, so for this episode, we had a really, we, I guess we had a moment of inspiration. So、um, uh, I left my phone at home one day, and we thought it'd be interesting for us to ask the question of whether we can live a day without our phones and what that would be like.、Um, in the UK, it's very different to. When we leave our phones at home in China,、uh, for a variety of reasons, which we'll discuss throughout the episode, and as ever, I'm joined by Louisa,、uh, who's the brains behind the operation, and we also have a special guest today, Sam Phillips. So, do you want to introduce yourself to our audience? I do, absolutely. So,、um, I am the account director here at Cumin, which basically means I'm responsible for all of our business、uh, from global brands, both Western and Chinese, as we help them、um, launch into new markets,、uh, engage with wider audiences, and more deeply engage with their existing users.、Um, my background is in digital media,、um, where I worked for seven years at、uh, one of the UK's most creative and successful media agencies in Manningham. <laughs> Now, human. <laughs> We're the next one.、Um, where I manage brands,、uh, including Sony Pictures and Apple. Just some small brands, then. Just a couple of you know、oh, little ones. So we always ask people when they come on the show、uh, what their China story is, because we think it's always interesting to ask people. Uh, the the China side、mm. adds like another interesting, just another level of complexity on top of their kind of like choosing profession or niche. So maybe you could tell us what your China story is. Sure, sure.、Um, I've、uh, been fascinated by China since a young age, actually, because、uh, I grew up in a family、uh, full of Asian art dealers. So、wow. I know,、That's、kind、cool. of obscure, but、uh, but true.、Um, so I always heard amazing stories about China and the Far East,、uh, and it just sounded like such a, an exciting、uh, place with、uh, a, a massive opportunity. And it must change a lot for the the, the family members you mentioned. It sounds like they've been doing it for quite a while since you were young. And yeah, absolutely, many how, generations. How do you feel about like the changes that's happening in China? And, and everyone's always gets really kind of like. Uh, surprised about how fast China is moving. We talk about a lot of that on the show as well. Have they spoke to you about what they've experienced? Yeah. So、uh, I always remember、uh, my uncle telling me a story about you know him taking a、oh, cab. Love story. Taking a cab、yes. in China. <laughs> it's short but sweet. But、uh, he was just you know t- taking a random cab somewhere, and he was having a little bit of a chat with the cab driver, and it was amazing to him that this cab driver. On the side of driving the cab, he was an entrepreneur. He had like an internet <laughs> startup, so it was like the sense of opportunity and、yeah. sort of you can make something of yourself and riding that huge wave of, I, I suppose, economic boom out there. It kind of feels like、uh, it's like、um, it's like the it's like the American it's like American history during kind of like the gold rush period, right? Every there's opportunities everywhere. Everyone's trying to、exactly. do something. Everyone's open to doing something. You、yeah. go to any bar in Shanghai, right? Like you go, you talk to someone about something. And the next thing you know, you guys are like partners in like a new startup or something crazy. Yeah, and that's what I love about China about as well. The, the Chinese dream as well. So yeah, it started、true. from the American dream、yeah. that you could make anything of yourself that you wanted to make of yourself. And it's the same in China. Like when I studied Chinese, my teachers would set. 
set it a task and say, what's your Chinese dream? And we'd have to make a speech in Chinese about our Chinese dream. And that's wow. what's happening in China. Everyone just, uh, they just do whatever yeah. they want to do. And it's amazing. It's very open. It's, it feels like a country that's very open to risks. And that's a big difference, I think. Mm. Uh, maybe this is one for another episode, but it, it's kind of relevant to what we're talking about now. Uh, the, the Gen Z or Gen Z in China is very different to the Gen Z in the West. And a lot of people call Gen Z in the West the generation sensible, right? Because they don't drink and do as much drugs as the previous generations. Uh, the, they're very financially sensible. They mm -hmm. invest properly. They don't kind of waste money on consumerism, yep. uh, consumer goods. Uh, but in China, it's like almost completely opposite, right? They've seen China being such, such a successful country. They're much more open to taking risks. So they'll kind of like start investing in startups. They'll start their own projects. They'll spend their money away because they, they think or they know that the next day they'll just make it back. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're surrounded by so much inspiration and so much drive. Exactly. You know, yeah. That rubs off. So many success stories of like yeah. the biggest startups in the world are now Chinese yeah. uh, we're going from a tangent anyway <laughs> <laughs> so never happens <laughs> never happens so how much I guess uh, the biggest thing that shocks most people when they start working with China is the um, the difference in kind of like the internet landscapes mm. and yep. the platforms and technology integration into people's daily lives um, what were your thoughts about Chinese digital landscape and Chinese platforms when you first started to kind of get into that I was I was genuinely amazed at just the breadth of functionality in some of these apps. I yeah. mean, it's nothing like anything that we have here. Yeah. And the way that people really embraced mobile as, you know, part of integration of their everyday lives. Um, in the UK, we talked about the year of mobile for what seemed like at least half a decade. <laughs> um, whereas in China, it clearly became completely ubiquitous at the moment of its introduction. Yeah. Um, and as a digital marketer, that's just such an exciting opportunity. I think, and I think uh, it's funny that you mentioned that actually, I was thinking about this earlier, just before the podcast and how, why mobile apps became so powerful in China compared to the West. Mm -hmm. um, I think, again, kind of very relating, like we always try to relay everything back to user behavior, back to the people behind the platforms, right? So I think one of the biggest if not the biggest difference that makes this happen is that internet existed in almost a very evolved form mm. before the smartphone came about Absolutely. in the UK, right? Yeah. And that didn't happen in China. So in 2007, only 16% of Chinese population was on the internet. And in wow. 2007, pretty much everyone in the West was on the internet. Like we're talking like 90% penetration, mm -hmm. right? So when iPhone launched in 2007, I think it was 2007, 2007, 7, 8, 6 or whatever. Uh, when they first launched, people had a pre-existing uh, expectation of what the internet experience should be on mobile phones. So they wanted the same thing on their mm -hmm. mobile phones, on their smartphones. They wanted the browser. They wanted apps like AM, AIM. Anyone old enough to remember AIM? <laughs> uh, not, not Louisa. Uh, I they wouldn't wanted... admit it, if, even if I was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> um, they wanted all the same experience they had on, on, on desktop internet ported over to mobile phones. But in China, that didn't exist. Like when WeChat mm. first launched, when a smartphone launched, the internet, that's when the internet really started in China. So they started from a blank sheet. Um, and I think that's why WeChat had the opportunity to create a web of services that 
the West didn't have. They didn't have that blank sheet, mm. right? They had pre-existing. Sure. We talk about this a lot. Like Fra- they, very fragmented. Exactly. They had the legacy of a pre-existing user yeah. experience, so they couldn't create a new one. But in China, they didn't have that. So it was like true mobile first. It wasn't like it wasn't like mobile compatible. Internet didn't become like mobile compatible. It was just it was just the mobile and the internet was the same. Was was one the same? Absolutely. And that wasn't the case in the West, right? No, no. I think everyone was trying to mold strategies for mobile. You know, mm-hmm. what is our approach to mobile? Whereas obviously in China, it was it is mobile or exactly. it's nothing really. Yeah. And anyway, that leads on to kind of like a good leads on to a nice point about what we really want this episode to be about. And in we wanted to go through kind of like a day in the life of a Chinese consumer, right? And that was kind of like suggested by Louisa. Um, so starting with the morning, moving on to lunchtime, and finally after work, we wanted to talk about, for the benefit of our audience, like whole Chinese, well, I guess first of all, what it's like for a Western user, and then comparing that to what's like, what, what it's like for a Chinese user. And rather than just talking about the platforms, uh, and you can hear about the platforms everywhere on the internet. We want to relate it back to user behavior specifically and why they do these things and where possible, uh, reference to kind of like the cultural significance that drive these kind of behavior and drive the reason that they use these platforms. So should we start with the morning? Yes. Yeah, morning. <laughs> Good place to start. Good place to start, always. Um, wake up in the morning. So when we first wake up in the morning, uh, what kind of apps and what, what what do we do in the UK? Let's start with that and then we can move on to China. So I think it'd be quite interesting to compare what, what you and I use. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I wake up in the morning and the first thing I check is obviously my messages. So I see if, if anything has come through dur- during the night because I put my phone on flight mode usually. Um, and then, so I check my WhatsApp um, and I check my Instagram because I'm on Instagram a lot. Wait, you put your phone on flight mode when yeah, you sleep? Yeah, I do. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, I know. So you're like I've only recently started doing that though. Disconnected. Yeah. Whoa, <laughs> only recently though because I don't, I don't like to be woken up. Um, cherish my sleep. It's very wise. Very wise. Um, anyway. I can't get a hold of you at like 1am for work. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> <laughs> so I check my WhatsApp, um, my WeChat as well, obviously because I work in a Chinese company yeah. I have to check the WeChat. Um, and Sleeping Instagram, ahead. and then sometimes I have a little browse, depends on how late I wake up, just like check the updates on Instagram. So you've got because... like WhatsApp and stuff for messages, Instagram for like social, uh, it's kind of mainly around like social interactions, right? Yeah, but it's mostly about catching up in the morning, so it's not really about, um, I guess sometimes news, you just want to see what's what's in the news, so I'd open Feedly, for example, which aggregates all the news on my app, and yeah. How about you? Um, I try to keep my morning routine uh, pretty concise because, as these guys know, I like to get in early for a cheeky workout before <laughs> before I get into the office. So Sam um, works out three times a day. <laughs> not every day. Sometimes more. <laughs> <laughs> lies, all lies. Um, so yeah, I try and keep things nice and quick. So like you, I will have a quick scan of my WhatsApp messages because I've got some friends who live out in the States. So often I get messages through in the night and I like to you know, see what I might have to reply to later. Uh, and then I'll do a scan usually of uh, the likes of BBC Sport and BBC News. Uh, always check my email, both personal and work. But again, just to see if there's anything urgent that wow. needs to be responded to. Um, and that's pretty much it. I really avoid the likes of Instagram and Facebook because I get totally sucked into the feed. Yeah, you start scrolling. 
I your start scrolling. Start. It's a tight, you know, that drains yeah. on my time. I see something I'm interested in. I then link out to something else. So the I, rabbit hole, the rabbit hole, indeed, indeed. So talk about Chinese platforms, and that's the reason why we're here, and that's why our audience listening to us. So do you guys want to summarize what the morning looks like for a Chinese user? Um, obviously, I guess kind of like a general view, um, and then we can talk about the differences after. Yeah. So I guess um, it's with. The, the same as with us over here in the West, it depends on what our motivations are to use a specific app. So mm. um, if you were to check your messages and catch up with messages that have come in overnight, for example, um, I suppose you'd open WeChat because that's your personal messaging platform. So that's yeah. where you're connected to all your friends and, and families and colleagues or whatever. Um, so you'd just go on there and you check if there's any notifications and maybe reply to your messages. Um, then it depends whether you'd want to catch up with like news, for example. So you catch up with um, a platform called Jinren Toutiao, which means today's headlines. Um, Very and named. Yeah. <laughs> so it's actually a, a crazy platform. I um, It was explained to me the other day and I downloaded it and tried to use it. And it's just, wow. I mean, the first page is like you scroll through the headlines. So you've got the headlines of the day. It's just a, a brief headline. You can like click into it and see all the related articles. Um, but there's much, much, much more than that. Indeed. And I think much how sort of I talked about, you know, going in to check my emails, both, you know, personal and work, all of this sort of, all of that content would exist in one place in that WeChat platform. Because as we know in China, you know, people have almost replaced email with WeChat, exactly. with, with conversations on WeChat. So almost what takes me maybe five to six applications to get the content that I want in the morning, they could theoretically get all from that one one place, uh, including news from publishers, um, uh, brand updates, mm -hmm. the stuff that I actually might want to avoid um, is right there. You know, if they're going in, they might be going in to check their chat with friends. There's no place to hide. But there's no place to yeah. hide. So that <laughs> would be dangerous ground for me. a message from my boss next to a message from my girlfriend. Crap. <laughs> right. And, you know, there's a new product being launched that I'm really into. So it's... And they know. And like your work colleagues know that you're on that app. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't respond, they're like, wait a minute. Is he like screening me? And then you've liked something by accident and someone's seen it and you're like, Damn it, I was trying to be covert there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that links back to what we were saying earlier about how um, when, when smartphones or kind of like when mobile internet came about in the West, there's a pre-existing expectation of what people want from the internet, uh, which is independent apps uh, connected using... You guys were talking about Facebook, having a purpose, WhatsApp, Instagram, uh, Apple News, BBC News. They all have their specific purposes, mm. but whereas in China that didn't exist. So WeChat came along and said, you know, well, why don't we just bundle it all together? It's good for the users, but it's absolutely fantastic for the platform because they have this whole web of services that services, web of services that serves everything that mm -hmm. the user needs. And, and you I don't have to leave the platform. You don't yeah, have to leave exactly. the platform. And I think that whole mentality has pushed all platforms on. Uh, it's forced innovation really in that space. Mm. And like you alluded to it with uh, Tochiao, mm -hmm. It's more than just a headline aggregator. It pulls in videos from Douyin. Uh, there's like a question and answer functionality within there. Uh, it brings you offers from brands when you're in, you know, the appropriate location. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like the user has now a higher expectation from platforms. And yeah. these platforms have got to keep up with it. They've got to keep up, yeah. yeah. They've got to keep innovating. And we've told you all, just for the benefit of our audience um, who are not sure, Toyo is owned by ByteDance. Uh, ByteDance is one of the world's largest 
It's the world's largest tech startup. <laughs> <laughs> I correct myself. Um, they own Tokyo and uh, and they, you know they also own TikTok and Douyin. Douyin is the Chinese version of TikTok. Um, and the thing that really made them popular was the AI algorithm they use for Tokyo to feed news to their users. Um, and I think for the very first time, specifically on Tokyo, and this happened on Douyin as well, much later on, that. Content became driven by AI rather than being driven by your choices or by your network.、Um, so people trusted and started to trust the platform to feed them the information that they wanted and the news that they wanted. And like you said, the videos, the offers.、Um, it was a very powerful step towards having like what we'd like to call,、um, I guess, interest-driven content. Provided by AI, rather than kind of network-driven content provided by friendships group or your kind of category that you select, and it almost feels so archaic that when we go to our platform, we have to select what we're interested in, and we have to build this kind of like profile. You go on Apple News, like before you see anything, you're sitting there like selecting through different screens, and you're like, oh, I'm interested in this, and like my age is this. Like what? You go on Tokyo, you go on Douyin, like you just get start feeding videos, start scrolling、yes. through them, and it learns by. Like how how long you view them for, and whether you like it, like any kind of engagement, any kind of performance metric, that all feeds into kind of your profile.、Um, and I think that's really interesting. And it's just kind of like it, it's another it's another another、uh, way to show kind of like how evolved Chinese platforms are. And as you were saying, Sam, about how they have to cater for users' expectations.、Um, and again, like people in the West don't really have that expectation yet of the platform being smart enough to provide AI. Yeah. And for that, and you、content. don't really expect、um, lots of other functions within an app. So if you go to, I don't know, BBC News, all you want is news. You just want news.、Yeah. You don't really want to go on a tab that says like videos or nearby me or I don't know. They don't have that expectation. Q and A. Yeah, you're just there、experience. for news. Yeah, because you go on YouTube、mm. if you're on videos here, right? Yeah, exactly. Whereas、You've、got you all have your separate crazy ecosystems that serve、yeah. everything in China. So I do think, to a point, that、um, specific apps in China, even though there is so much in it in in one app, like Xiaohongshu, for example, is also so much in there. But your your main purpose to go to Xiaohongshu is to get reviews. So even though you can do a lot more on the app. Um, your main purpose is to get reviews. Yeah. But then again, you can also access it through、um, WeChat. Through WeChat, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can access、yeah. everything through WeChat. Yeah, it makes everything very shareable as well. Because if、yeah. the app is linked to WeChat, then you can share it. Good.、Yeah. Cool. So should we move on to the next phase of the day, which is the commute to work, and everyone does this. Yes. Do you guys want to get started and talk about the UK? Apps, sure. Yeah. Sure. Should I start? Um, so yeah, my commute is pretty. It's not particularly exciting, but、um, I, I walk down to the bus station. I use my contactless <laughs> card to get the bus,、uh, and then I do the same to get on the train. Very modern. Very modern. <laughs>、yeah. um, and I still a card, not Apple Pay. Not that modern. You don't modern. use Apple Pay. I don't use Apple、Why? Pay. I don't. I've just. You don't trust it. I just used to use my card. That's、ah. what I do. I use my card. Legacy, legacy behavior. Exactly. My, the baggage. <laughs> yeah. The baggage.、Um, And then I usually try and settle into reviewing a bit more depth 
the headlines that I would have picked out in the morning um, during my scan of uh, the, the various sort of news publishers that I look so at. So you go back to the apps like BBC News and Apple News. Exactly. And, and I okay. sort of delve a little bit deeper in whatever caught my eye. Um, and then I will have a little look through my feeds because I have a bit more time on my hands. Uh, and then at some point I will either have exhausted that or I would have lost inter internet connection and I have to go very old school and go to a paper. <laughs> What? The metro. Book or a newspaper the metro, or yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I usually have a little scan through the metro. Um, and then when I get off the other side, I will go and grab my coffee and my breakfast. How do you pay for that? Contactless card again. Yeah, card, I'm not, I'm not yeah. quite... Not quite fully frictionless. Not quite Apple Pay. Yeah. Yeah. Not okay. quite Apple pay. And not even, even that's not fully frictionless compared to uh, WeChat Pay and, and so forth. And yeah, that's pretty much my commute. Cool. Great. I don't think mine's very different. The only thing that I might add is Spotify. So I listen to music mm. on Spotify. Oh, yeah, Spotify. So you've got a music app as well. Yeah, okay. so I, can, I use Spotify. Other people might use Apple mm -hmm. Music or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's, I think, the only addition to, to the commute. And then, because uh, we don't really have Wi-Fi on the Tube. So we have Wi-Fi on uh, Tube oh stations. God. Don't get me started on, but the, not on the Tube. But not on the Tube. My God. Whereas in China, <laughs> everyone has Wi-Fi on the Tube. Not just Wi-Fi. They have cellular signal on the Tube. Everyone everyone literally is permanently connected to the internet. That's a big difference. There's like Absolutely, no downtime yeah. in China right. when you're commuting. What about in China? What are, you guys, uh, what are you guys' thoughts on kind of like the Chinese journey when people are commuting? So there's work? various pillars here. So mm. it's in terms of like payment. So for example, if um, if you were to get your coffee in the morning or I don't know how many yeah. Chinese people now eat, cof uh, eat coffee, drink eat coffee, coffee. <laughs> drink coffee <laughs> in the morning. A slice of coffee, please. <laughs> Um, I think more and more people now drink coffee in the morning in China because it's becoming a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's Starbucks true, actually. Yeah. It's become um, trendy, But yeah, jianbing. So um, oh, it's jianbing. oh street food in the morning in China oh, is just oh, heaven. Wow. So basically what happens is rather than going to your Pret and your Costa and whatever and getting your breakfast on your way to work, there's um, street food everywhere. So you'd have the IE who's pu pushing the little wagon with a gas station oh, and the those fire, are the best. and they just make the thing in front of you. Oh it costs maybe thirty p, yeah. and then you'd either pay in in cash, really old school, or you just WeChat them the money. No one pays in cash. And anymore. then when you WeChat them the money, <laughs> sometimes because <laughs> it's like three three quiet or something. You, yeah. you use your QR code, right? You would yeah. just that, scan you the scan vendor's it. QR code. Yeah. Transaction done. Yeah. And I love this smooth. because. Like, I swear technology has created a level of trust that didn't exist before. Like, they, they, don't, even, they don't even check whether you've actually paid. You scan it, yeah. you put the money in, and it goes bin. And then they're just like, people just assume that you've paid because there's so little amount of money anyway, right? Like, it doesn't really, doesn't really matter too much. And uh, I've told that story before about kind of me getting a car and I didn't have the cash, I couldn't pay. And the guy would just like pay me later on Alipay. Uh, and they trusted me to do that because the technology, it was so easy. There was no reason for you not to do that. And but there's that, no reason for you to cheat. That's a huge cultural difference though here. Could you imagine that? Yeah, here? I know. Oh, no way. It never happens. It wouldn't mm. happen. It it's like, show me happen. the confirmation. Like, send me the... Yeah. Uh, Don't go. Leave me your liver. Yeah. So I think that's a big, a big difference in terms of payments. I mean, when I pay for my coffee at Prep, for example, mm. I, I do pay with my Apple Pay. Yeah, um, me too. So I'm advanced like that, but <laughs> so I'm cardless. Um, but well, can you say cardless because your card is still connected to your phone? Yeah, it's not really true kind of mobile wallet. Not it's, really. You're just paying. You're just paying via your phone. It's like the conduit between the card. Yeah. But the user experience is it's much slicker. It's better, yeah. yeah, definitely. Whereas in China, like you can you can just WeChat, as we said, you can scan the codes, or you can use Alipay. 
um and for the benefit of our listeners you um so alipay and wechat are like competitors because they're owned Mm -hmm. by two different so it's alibaba versus tencent um and then for example if you buy something on taobao you can't pay via wechat pay because it's owned by alibaba because it's owned by alibaba and vice versa like when you do something on wechat you can't pay on on jd on jd I don't think you can use Alipay on Yeah, Jody. I think they have the embed with uh, with Tencent and WeChat. And that dynamic's quite interesting, the sort of competitive nature of That's the market. That's a good point, yeah. You don't really have those. that in the West. Not yeah. so much. There's a little bit more of integration. Not fully, but yeah. there is a little bit more cooperation. Everyone is so kind of like, I guess the users hold, it, hold all the platforms accountable for being kind of a... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? For being more open and more integrated and just kind of like being more friendly and with each other in terms of doing business whereas in china it almost feels like it's a wild west like you can't even visit you can't like wechat would literally block websites for you to visit from their browser because they're owned by the competitor and no one really complains no one cares it's just the way it is and and again i think that's related to the fact that Internet basically didn't exist before the mobile phone infrastructure before smartphones they can pretty much do what they want because they started a new way of kind of like communicating, right? So this is a way it's always been. Therefore, why should we change? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, if we move on to different pillars on the commute, so like... Getting transport. Yeah, like do you Who's guys, you guys, I guess you guys don't cycle, so you don't use like Santander cycles or... I have done before. Yeah? But, um, what was that like? To work. Um, to work? No, well, not to work. Out. I have, I have used out. one before. Yeah, I have, I have used one after a night out. <laughs> That's another story in itself. What was that like? What was uh, the experience like? How did you? It was difficult. I was quite drunk. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the experience, it was fine. It was kind of like, it was nice to have that facility of the, of the bike option, but a little bit clunky in terms of payment method and, you know, mm how you know where i had to drop the bike off and it wasn't so slick so to speak whereas in china you know they have a a really fantastic infrastructure uh you know for that method of transportation uh in mobike uh and again payment everything through wechat so it's a really really simple you know sort of payment structure yeah um so there's no docks which is really interesting it's like santander you'd have to find a docking station um and then in china you'd find like a a a mobile or whatever kind of company that you'd provides a bike you find it wherever you scan the code you unlock it and Mm. you ride it and then once you've locked the bike it takes the money out out of your account depending on how far you went or just wherever you want Yeah. yeah it's amazing but i don't think because you can get more bikes in this country. Right? Mm. We see them around sometimes. And I don't know how to use them over here, though. Like, can I scan it with my WeChat? Yeah, I tried the other yeah, day and it app, didn't work. It? Do you oh. need the app? I think you need the app here. Yeah, yeah. it's slightly different. Ah, see, um, an extra app. But I don't think it can really... <laughs> more apps. <laughs> more apps. I don't think it kind of, like, work really here because... So in China... There's always, you see a lot of people going around that work for Mobike that tidy everything up. Oh, so yes. Yeah, you have a big people, van yeah, and exactly. they put the bikes they take in the, the van bikes on and redistribute. And put in designated spots. Yeah. They make sure people are not chucking them everywhere. It's like over the streets. Like we saw a statue made of Mobikes in Camden the other day by some drunk people. It was so weird. <laughs> oh it was like God. something out of Mo- Game of Thrones. Or, or like a modernist sculpture. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, or an art installation. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how you look at it. Um, 
But in China, someone would have tidied that up and would have put them in specific locations. I think here, like manpower is such a valuable commodity that something like that, uh, I don't, I, I just don't think it would, it would work in this country as well as it has worked in China. Um, but I guess only time will, time will tell. Um, so I guess some of the biggest difference are that um, we don't have a downtime. There's no downtime in China. Yes. We're always connected, whether you're on the tube. Um, people tend to, again, stick probably with the similar platforms they do in the morning mm -hmm. to go back and view the same things, whether it's kind of like, again, we keep going back to the idea of a, kind of like a social OS where you can do everything within one app. Um, and also on the transport point of view, I think... There's probably a lot more flexibility, um, especially with mobile and being able to kind of, like you guys don't ride bikes to work be probably because there's a lot of trouble, right? There's not a Santander cycle outside your house, mm -hmm. but chances are there probably is a mobile outside someone's house in China. Um, I think also with that always on connectivity, there are more opportunities for brands to sort of, you know, make themselves known within people's day. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, especially within that part of the day. And I think the commute is a really uh, potentially impactful time to reach someone because it is that sort of downtime for them. And, you know, we don't actually have that much of it in today's, in today's world. Uh, so it's a really poignant time to connect with people. Yeah. So the likes of uh, Tochao, you know, this news aggregator, but also an opportunity for brands to, you know, deliver offers to people and yeah. also an opportunity for brands to deliver a message through PR by being present within publisher articles and so forth. Um, with WeChat being such an all-encompassing platform that it is, you know, there's always an opportunity there for a brand, whereas they wouldn't been able to catch catch me in my working in, in my uh, commute yeah. because I try and avoid some of those applications. Mm -hmm. It's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, especially applications that have ads, but mm. you can always do things a bit more covertly. So, mm. unlike told you, like you said, you can do it via PR yeah. or um, on WeChat. You can write really lovely articles, and you can get your influencers to share it. Or I don't know other other platforms. Like for example, on WeChat, lots of people follow um, things to do in Shanghai or whatever, these kind mm. of things. So you could go via them and say, Absolutely. this is an experience. And we forgot QQ Music, oh, yes. which is the sort of Spotify of course, equivalent, yeah. mm -hmm. um, which, which is owned by Tencent. QQ Music, Xiaomi Music and NetEase Music. So it's obviously lots of different music streaming. And there are similar branding opportunities as well something I've noticed on, on those platforms. Uh, for example, today we noticed an ad uh, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the new uh, Tarantino movie that's releasing, you know, there's they're oh. advertising on that platform. There's a branded playlist wow. from, you know, by Tarantino, you know, his favorite um, songs, playlists, you know, from the movie and his previous back catalog mm -hmm. uh, of films. So, you know, there are opportunities there for brands that exist similar to how they do here. And that's kind of like uh, so, so. So that's really that's really that's really interesting because it's not just like an over advert, like a kind of like a no. banner or like a like a like a drop in of like yeah. a twenty second like radio type of advert. It's actually a piece of content yeah. mm -hmm. that the user want at that moment in time. Like they're listening to music anyway, right? Exactly. Might as well might as well yeah. try this piece of music out yeah. and have opportunity mm -hmm. to kind of drop the brand and drop some awareness. Mm -hmm. And that's a very good point because we talk about. WeChat and how brands should use WeChat and I think the point you made here is very good 
and it connects to the fact that if you really want to succeed on WeChat or any Chinese platform for that matter, it should really more it should be more about service and utility mm. than it is about kind of like awareness here in the UK and in the West, right? Absolutely. So rather than kind of like doing overt piece of advertising, you know, like um, an evocative video that's just about the brand, uh, you should probably just create a service, like something that people would actually use on their commute or create content that people would actually want to read. I know it sounds obvious, right? But I think in China, this is more impactful because Definitely. of the always connectedness, uh, the fact that they're using kind of like web services in platforms it's 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 more extreme in china than it is here and they're open to all sorts of different types of content from different creators so it doesn't doesn't matter exactly, who creates yeah. it um they're very experimental so it's like you you find a new article and it looks really cool and then it's shareable and yeah there's there's so much growth as well in that sort of um off online to offline um experience uh, in retail in particular uh, which is an area that you know, brands can yes. sort of help to deliver the additional value add piece. And like, you know, to your point, it was, it's very much driven in the same way that the user's expectation of platforms mm. is heightened and it forces them to innovate. You know, it's the same for their expectation of brands. Mm -hmm. And I think actually from, like, we're only through the, the, not even half, half the day yet. And people, the biggest difference, I think, between Western platforms Western social networks and Chinese social platform is that Western social platforms are still just social platforms. Yes. They're still social networking platforms. In China, people literally use social network platforms to get shit done. And I think that's the biggest difference that people don't quite comprehend. Like they're not, they're literally not social media platforms anymore. They are an operating system by nature. You'd use it to book an appointment at your doctor, yes. your dentist, yeah. you know. Pay exactly. your utility bills on WeChat. It's yeah, amazing. just fucking get shit done on it. Yeah. You're not just on there to talk to your friends, to like look at moments. You do everything on these social networks. And every platforms. other platform has social features as well. So for every platform, you'd have a login with your own profile and then you'd collect things that you like and you'd recommend things and people would find you on the platform and see what you what you kind of recommend, these kind of things. Whereas I don't really, <laughs> I don't think we have a login on like BBC News. Like you might have a login, but you don't really have a profile. Yeah, like exactly. The, the profile is only for the for the provider. That it's not getting smarter. Profile. It's still like yeah. a newspaper where they dictate yeah. what they, you're reading. They, they and tell it's a, you what you're kind reading. of anonymous as well. So yeah. there's a bit less accountability That's with also what you true. do on the exactly. platform. And Chinese people are not as uh, not as kind of I guess not as um, precious about their data. Because especially if it helps to improve their lives and it helps to improve the service design that surrounds them. They have that sort of a greater sense of digital self yeah. mm -hmm. that they, you know, sort of project on these platforms and they own on these platforms, yeah. which they have, which they value. Yeah. And you'd be omnipresent on every platform so that on, um, if you have your favorite celebrity, mm. you can find them on Xiaohongshu, you can find them on Weibo, you can find them literally on every single platform. Mm. Should we move on to work? Work. Yes, I think work is really interesting, actually. So at work, mm. what do you guys do on your phones? Working, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> well, the ideal answer would be we don't use our phones at work. <laughs> <laughs> but we're a social media agency, so... Yeah, and we work with China, so WeChat, So we need WeChat. <laughs> okay, maybe like put yourself in the footstep of like a regular <laughs> British person who doesn't 
work we've done. <laughs> I think it's it's more about um, so work takes place on the desktop. Mm. I would say on yeah, the PC. So I you'd agree. have your laptop or your PC or whatever, and that's where your work is, and that's where you do your emails and your communications with colleagues. It's all via emails, all like browsing on on browsers um, and. Only if you've got anything urgent. So if your mum calls you or I don't know, then you would maybe use your phone or sometimes sneakily when you just can't concentrate anymore. You'd like check your WhatsApp Cheeky messages. Instagram. Cheeky Instagram. Cheeky Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you wouldn't really like use your phone much, would you? Not very much. I think obviously depending on what space you work in, uh, what industry you work in, you know, I suppose we always had a need to be genuinely checking social, social media, media yeah. um, for more of like a research perspective than anything else. Um, Twitter as well, fantastic for gaining industry oh, news yeah, and that might be stuff. Yeah, but you, you know, can you use wanna... that on your desktop, can't you? You, you can use you that don't on need your desktop. Phone. Yeah, indeed you can. Yeah, I would actually use it largely on my desktop. Yeah. Um, and you would send stuff over to around your colleagues and maybe to clients. Um, so I suppose that's still, you're still engaging with social, but yeah, not on your It's still the pre-existing defined use of the exactly. internet, as we were saying earlier. Yeah. Uh, what about in China? What do you think, what do you think life is like at work in China in relation to platforms and dig- mobile and digital? Well, it all comes back to WeChat, I think. <laughs> so you literally, so this was, this was the point <laughs> that we were making earlier that um, if, if we think about whether we can survive a day without a phone over here, um, I think I could. I think I'd be fine because I'd have everything else that I need at yeah, work. Yeah, it's true. Because um, you're on your emails, emails on your desktop all the exactly. time anyway. I yeah. wouldn't like it, but... I wouldn't like it, yeah. but it's doable. And my you friends would think I'm dead. You might find yourself reaching for your phone. <laughs> oh, like, I generally do that. I'll just be like, <laughs> oh, no way, I don't have my phone. But you can still go about your work life. Like, you can still talk to your clients and you can still get your work done. Like, you don't necessarily need your phone if you don't work in a Chinese company. Yeah. Whereas on a Chi- in a Chinese company, you definitely need... WeChat. And even if you use it on the desktop, you can use WeChat on your desktop. You'd still need your phone to log in. (laughs) So (laughs) no phone, no business. (laughs) I I quickly learned, you know, working here that WeChat is absolutely integral, especially when working with Chinese clients. You know, they'll ask you, actually, can we keep our comms to WeChat rather than email? We're just not so comfortable or, you know, used to using email for our communications. And I think that's partly because it actually makes communications a little bit faster because it forces you to be, you know, more concise and to speak in, you know, much more of a shorthand way rather than, you know, taking time to sometimes compose an email. Maybe sometimes we spend too much time doing yes, that um, definitely. when we don't really need to sometimes it's sometimes it's you necessary you craft the email right? yeah you craft yeah. an email and you're like does this sound in, okay <laughs> in situations that's appropriate but yeah. i think for a lot of day-to-day stuff you could you actually want, it's actually a lot quicker to communicate via sort of private and this is just like a debate i think we had this debate mm. before at work about whether you should send voice messages or whether you should type things out yep. because mm-hmm. voice messages are easier for the sender mm. but written messages are easier for the reader yeah so what's like does that does that kind of mean when you're when you're talking to a client maybe you should be like writing i think most people do and when the client is talking to the agency it would tend to send voice messages right it's the client's prerogative right Mm -hmm. but we always have to maintain a level of professionalism and service of course yeah Uh, and then you need a chinese recipient (laughs) to to listen to the message (laughs) and decode (laughs) And what do you guys think? So I I have a thought on this. I think, do you think WeChat 
using WeChat for work, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because obviously it blurs a line between life and yeah. work. That's that's the tricky one because um, over here you'd have two phones. If you work in like a big company, you'd have a work phone and you'd have your personal phone so that you could uh, separate both things and yeah. it would be separated by the number. Or you have emails, as uh, Sam mentioned earlier, so yeah. his work email and his personal yeah. email. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas in China, if you have WeChat and you do work on WeChat, it's it's very blurry. Like you've got work messages, you've got personal messages. When can you switch off? Exactly. And do you think... so? I think that's okay in China. Um, there's a few reasons what I mentioned earlier later, but do you think, do you think that kind of lifestyle will 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 work here in the sense that your life and work becomes kind of very blurred? I know like places like Google and Facebook, they try to foster this culture where they provide you with kind of like food and you know, nap pods. You can basically live at work. Um, do you think? That could happen here. Like, could people, could there be a platform where people do everything from work to kind of life and personal communications? Um, I think there is a trend towards that, particularly in creative industry. Yeah. Um, tech and creative, definitely. Tech and creative using sort of more sort of uh, instantaneous communication methods, Slack and sort of similar uh, platforms like that to communicate. So I want to relate the work-life balance and how WeChat has blurred the line between work and life back into Chinese culture. And I think it's a very specific reason why that can happen in China as opposed to the West. Because I think work and life historically in China has always been quite connected anyway. Um, I don't know, you guys obviously know kind of like the, the favor culture in China, right? So you... When you want something done, you go to your friends, and that's the Guanxi, the Guanxi culture we talked about before on the show. Uh, the favor culture is that when someone does something for you, uh, you tend to kind of like owe them a favor, whether it's professional or personal. And there's also this blurred line between kind of like money for commercial and money as a gift for personal reasons. Like in the West, you don't really give money to people as a gift. That's not a thing. That's kind of rude, actually, right? Yeah. You, instead of Unless it's money, my granddad. He's allowed to give me money. Uh, I will accept all forms of money, FYI. You can send them to Cumin, number 10 Greenland Street. uh. (laughs) And in the West, you kind of want to give them like a gift that you've personally thought about. And that's kind of the culture here, right? You give someone a gift. But in China, like giving money is genuinely a form of gratitude, a form of communication, like a social communication Mm. between people. Like you do it in Chinese New Year, red packets. Not only do you give it to your family, uh, like the parents give it to mm-hmm. their kids, the grandparents sure. give it to their kids, but you also give it to your colleagues, like the boss will give mm-hmm. it to their, mm-hmm. to their, um, to their staff. Uh, sometimes you might even give it to your colleagues. It's a genuinely accept- accepted form of communication and way of fostering social relationships. And I think that has led to the fact that because business is all about money, right? It's about making money. Um, and, 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 and money as a form of kind of like social, um, almost like a social currency. Mm. It's not just a currency, it's a social currency. Sure. And that's connected life and work more closer than anything else. It existed anyway. And I talked to this before about WeChat, that WeChat is almost like a digital reflection of Chinese culture. And this is another reason. And with the re- digital red packet on WeChat as well, uh, so for the benefit of audience who don't know this, you can send red packets to people on WeChat. Um, and this is another reason how they've kind of like integrated Chinese cultural 
uh, kind of like Chinese culture into kind of the, the platform, right? Um, so it's enabled, it's made the line between work and life even closer. And that's why I think it works much better in the China than it does in the West. And I personally don't think it'll ever work that closely in the West because people want that kind of separation. Yeah, want that pri privacy. And there's nothing else to really connect work and life um, culture together. Mm. And finally, we're on to lunchtime. <laughs> I think that's our favorite lunchtime. time of day. Isn't lunchtime it? is our favorite Best time. time of day. It's a favorite time, actually, <laughs> for a lot of for, for many Chinese people as well. Because they love food. Love food. Exactly. <laughs> Do you guys want to start by talking about in the UK lunchtime, and then we can move on to kind of the platforms and sure. So I think it depends um, whether you brought your packed lunch in. Yeah. Or whether you go out for lunch. Yeah. Um, sometimes Those are you the just, two options, really, aren't they? Yeah. Those are the only two sometimes you're on the tube and you're like, oh, no, I forgot my packed lunch in the fridge. And then <laughs> you've got to go out and actually physically buy something. But then you just probably go to a shop and um, pay with your card, cash, mobile wallet, whatever, yeah. and then get, yeah, get your exactly. food. I, you wouldn't really order it. are basically within walking distance. Yeah. How shit is that? Right. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't really order a takeaway for lunch. I think that's a bit bougie. Unless you, you were do doing, <laughs> unless you were doing like a team, uh, yeah, like yeah. a team meeting, a like occasion. a brainstorm session, or mm -hmm. you know, it was yeah, like an, a special occasion for someone in the agency at birthday. You might be like, okay, we're going to order in for the agency, and you'd use Deliveroo yeah. or Just yeah. Eat, Uber Eats. Those it's an occasion, an exception to the rule. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. But you yeah. wouldn't really normally do that at lunchtime, no. as on your own. No. Wouldn't be like, well, of course, going to get. But there is an app for that. Yeah. What's that? There is an app for that. An app, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. What about China? In China. The land of so, food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've spoken about this previously at work, haven't we? How yeah. there's designated areas for oh, delivery so drivers at work. I'm so happy. Because um, there's so many. Because you, so, you can really, really easily just order something for lunch in China. Because yeah. it's so cheap and it's so quick. So you can use platforms like Ulama or uh, Meituan. Meituan is really, really popular. Um, and you just you just find a meal for, I don't know, three to four pounds. So cheap, uh, maybe even less. Um, and then delivery fees, maybe 30p max, something yeah. like that. But, <laughs> 10, 10 to 30p. And, and it's super reliable, right? Yeah. So there's like a, a guarantee for the user that, you know, if the food is late, the delivery driver has to pay rather than you have to pay yeah. so it sort of in ensures that you get your food on time and like we sort of where we read up on you know you often see mm -hmm. these delivery drivers running through the streets <laughs> to yeah, make sure they get like, the food there on time so, so sometimes it's a bit sad there's kind of like a moral discussion around that right and, but yeah. but it's that infrastructure like similar to mobile the focus actually, on service yeah it it, yeah. it makes that um that sort of the um, it, it's delivery the, possible it makes yeah, it possible it's it's the uh, commodity of 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 kind of manpower yeah. is a lot yeah. more readily yeah. available in china because there's so many more people that are going to do the of job. the country and that's the biggest difference right so the biggest difference it's 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 that in the west ordering out at lunchtime and having almost unlimited choice is an exception to the rule rather than the rule itself but in china it's a complete opposite like you almost like less people bring food from home than they do from ordering out mm -hmm. and ordering cheaper. out yeah exactly it's cheaper it's nicer it's easier it saves time and it saves time i think yeah. we seem this is a trend we always seem yeah. to see a lot of these things they all save time exactly. it makes everything more efficient yeah ordering out is literally the raw rather than the exception yeah. to the raw 
and that's mm. completely opposite. Mm. Ordering out, having unlimited choice, is 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 your daily life in China for lunch. Yeah. So, how does that experience manifest on mobile then? Well, these apps are mobile. They they're, they're mobile apps. They're not. You don't order stuff on your desktop.、Um, you so can. So you can have a separate app. For it, so like Meituan, you'd、mm. have a separate app, and then you'd order order through the app. I think usually, and then you could pay via WeChat or Alipay, integrated、exactly. like super seamlessly. You wouldn't、yeah. have to you key have your to card bust details your card in. Out. You don't have them in the、yeah. account. And if、yeah. you order for a friend,、exactly. they can easily just transfer, transfer you the money. You the money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's、WeChat. super easy.、Yeah. Imagine sending your friend like you go out for dinner with your friends, and then someone just says, "Okay, I'm going to pay for the meal," and then afterwards, everyone's just going to WhatsApp you the the money.、It's、super easy. Fantastic. And that's, and the other thing I guess is kind of like the food culture in China. And we talk about food a lot. Absolutely love food. Obviously,、um, I think a lot of the guys that work here love food. And in China, food is not just. I don't know. I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in the West, like I swear, sometimes people eat just to stay alive. And and in, and in China, it's not if you're from Italy. <laughs> in China, I, I I I'm alive because of food. You know, it's like completely different. Like I, everyone it doesn't matter if you're the CEO of the business or if you're like an accounting exec. Like everyone stops at lunch for some decent food because you have that choice with the apps. When you didn't have that, you go downstairs and there's like food places everywhere.、Mm, yeah, it's not just like oh today in the UK I'm gonna have a sandwich or a pasta. Yeah, no, you have like choice from all over China. You have Western food everywhere. Like food is part、yeah. of everyone's life, and it's so deeply ingrained that there's also like instead of saying hey how are you, you'd say nichilama. Yeah, exactly. That's a very <laughs> so, good point. Have you、yeah. eaten? Chivanama. <laughs> That's like a genuine greeting. Instead of how are you, it's like chivanama, and you,、yeah. like, you just start conversations with food. It's a very Jewish thing as well. I can really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I see a lot of similarity between the Jewish culture and the、yeah. Chinese culture. It's like very family focused and very food focused.、I、like to feed people. Like to feed people. Yeah, <laughs> need to come around to yours.、Um, Welcome. Yeah. So,、time. kind of the biggest difference is in the food culture、mm. um, and how apps enable the food culture. And we're seeing a theme here. We were talking earlier about how the life and work how it was already、mm. very close,、mm. and then apps enabling that culture in China. And now we're seeing the food culture being enabled by smartphones. Uh, sorry, mobile apps on smartphones in China,、uh, and finally,、um, after work, after work is interesting. Do you guys want to talk about what it's like in the UK after work? It's quite a personal thing, of course. <laughs> Excuse you know, me. It's more like, work. <laughs> well, it's it's hard it's hard to define one singular routine for someone yeah, for yeah, someone、okay. after work. Right, there are so many different you know hobbies, interests, user behaviors, and and so forth. But I suppose TV. Yes,、yeah. one thing that、Sounds、is that that, TV, that,、right? that 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 is pretty big. I mean, obviously, we've seen a huge shift over time from, you know, consuming the way the people consume TV. It's you know now much more sort of on demand and you know, on on a digital,、uh, digital level,、um, and people consuming you know a lot more sort of. Uh, content through the likes of YouTube,、yep. so TV time is decreasing, but it still tends to be a TV set tends to be the hub of the home. Yeah.、Um, so whether which, it's connected to Netflix or Amazon Prime, it's still through the TV, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which is a bit different, I think, to China. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how it works in terms of.、Um, Linking your apps to your TV set in China is probably really seamless,、um, but people don't really watch TV anymore. I've been told it might be the the older generation that still watches the the, the things that are on like CCTV or whatever、mm. in China.、Um, but whereas I 
come home and I might just plonk in front of the TV and just flick through the channel and see what's on, maybe watch a bit of David Attenborough. They wouldn't really do that in China. So you might, you'd go home and then um, you'd open your Chinese, so you can never really say equivalent, but what's the Chinese equivalent to Netflix, mm. which would be like um, uh, IT or Tencent Video or Yuku. Um, and then depending on, it's, it's the same as over here, some series might be on ITE, some t- some series might be on Yuku, Tencent Video. It's like some series over here might be on Netflix, some might be on um, on like Now TV. Now TV, or yeah, yeah, or Sky or, yeah. Or, or whatever you're watching on. But I think there's it's that development of, um, I suppose, their equivalent of YouTube, where they will now go for that premium programming. Mm-hmm. Whereas YouTube is still a big, is, is obviously huge here, and people consume a lot of content on there, but... It's typically um, from maybe influencers that they follow, maybe less than, you know, high production value broadcast star TV, which is where people would consume it in China. It's a very good point. I think think the biggest difference is what you guys spoke about first is TV, right? It's the fact that, (laughs) I'm going to embarrass you guys here. It's the fact that you guys still watch Love Island (laughs) on the TV. Hey, these guys will literally come into the office and talk about Love Island. It's like, oh my God, what is going in the 90s? <laughs> Not that often. Sometimes you guys talk about Love Island. I know, you secretly I just... watched it as well, just admit it. <laughs> yeah, I watch it on YouTube, I watch the clips. <laughs> no, I don't. So in China, this doesn't happen, right? Like people, I think, I think you're right as well. You hit the nail when you said that the older generation will still watch TV. And I know this because when I go home, uh, when I'm hanging out with my aunts and my cousins, I'll see that my aunts and uncles will be watching the TV, like some old school program or a costume drama, some news, it'll be flicking through channels. And my cousin will be on his mobile phone watching short form lo-fi video. Uh, not even video on demand. And you guys talked about this earlier. Video on demand is different to kind of short form lo-fi video. Absolutely. Uh, so you have like Netflix and then you have, you have IGE, which is kind of a lot of it is still video on demand, like series made by the digital uh, platforms themselves. And then you have stuff like Billy Billy, you have stuff like Douyin, uh, which video is apps. much more focused on short, yeah, yeah exactly, short form, yeah. uh, lo-fi video. And that's, I think we've kind of like decreasing attention span more so in China than anywhere else. Yeah, in China it's more... crazy. The number of uh, hours spent a day watching short form videos. So I think 600 million hours a day are spent watching short form videos. Wow. Yeah. I think, and I think that's just on Douyin. It, it might be, or overall, I'm not quite sure. It was one of the reports I, I read recently. It might be aggregated throughout the platforms, but it's still a huge number. Huge amount, huge but amount. But Douyin has about 250 million daily active users. And Douyin is t- um, Chinese, Chinese TikTok. TikTok yeah. yeah. And I think the um, huge growth in cell phone data consumption, which I think was up 189%, year on year which is insane and that's gonna that's gonna just increase exponentially with 5g absolutely yeah. and that was almost like entirely down to the explosion in consumption of short short form videos exactly yeah. yeah and i think i mean in terms of kind of like the west mm. i think we already start to see that happening in the west right so sure. people are starting to watch and it relates back to when we first started talking about Tiao and how people are starting to trust ai to serve them content yep. rather than selecting content mm. themselves mm. or rather than being given a program by like the news or the tv stations or some form of a media um 
that short form, especially though in short form video, like you're scrolling, you're just scrolling through videos. Like you're not selecting what you're watching, you're being given, you're showing what you're watching. And I, th- like in terms in relation to like a brand, is that a reason, is that better for brands to be able to produce content that are related to what the users want and they're more willing and they're given kind of like more screen time to branded content, do you guys think? Yeah, I think so. Especially if if you go back to the TV versus not TV. Like over here, you'd watch Love Island and you'd be served ad breaks yeah. and there'd be brand advertisement um, every, I don't know, 10 minutes or something. Yeah. And then you'd have to sit there and watch that until you yeah. can continue watching yeah. Love Island. Um, whereas if you've got short form videos, there's not really like ads like that well, if you no. produce good it's, content it's a much then... more social experience yeah. yeah so everything is tagged with hashtags and that in itself gives brands an opportunity to lend them lend their brand to a particular trend or to create a particular trend themselves um but more know, so it's, it's, much it's much more, more active than passive yeah it's it much more here. integrated into your experience right like i use doin a lot i love the platform you mm. can get all kinds of content on there mm. sometimes i'm scrolling through these videos i don't even realize i'm watching a fucking ad like yeah. because it's just it's within my <laughs> sure. interest yeah, yeah like i'll be watching videos about like games or something for example and then i'll be shown an ad about a game and i'll be like oh this is quite interesting and then i realize it's got like a tiny little ad tag on it it's like oh shit i'm watching an ad uh, and I think that's also a big difference as platforms evolve. And again, this is, we always talk about how this, like China is almost like a preview of the future yeah. for the West. Um, with YouTube, they're trying to do that by serving you ads that are relevant. It's still not very good. It still feels like advertising. And pe- people, you know, really are quite vocal about disliking yeah. the ad, the way ads are served on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, there have been some serious issues with, uh, around that over like the past 12 months yeah. in terms of brand safety and you know how that works so I think it is it is like a little window into the future in terms of what of what we see in China yeah. you you, yeah. you you literally stop noticing that you're watching ads yeah. exactly. and that's a good thing for yeah. both the brand and the user yeah. because it's better experience for the user and it's better exposure for the brand um, yeah we're very very ad adverse that's why we pay for subscriptions like for my Spotify, I pay monthly Shoot. subscriptions because I don't want yeah. any ads the on Spotify. The direct debits I've come out of my account mm. for platforms is really, yeah. it's getting ridiculous. It's crazy. I, I think that whole, what we just talked about is why, you know, influencers are so important in China. Mm. Um, that whole sort of culture, influencer culture is so powerful and it's impacts so many people. Because people don't see it as an ad. People see it as genuine advice yeah. or entertainment. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I think we've gone through a lot. Um, we have gone through and, a lot. <laughs> and, and, and not even not even scratch the surface. Yeah. We started. Yeah. I think we can probably make an episode on each of the platforms and each period in the yeah. day yeah. Yeah. in their own right. But I hope that gives our audience kind of like a preview of what it's like in China and also how it relates back to some of the culture that influences these behaviors and how these platforms have become so popular. And uh, thank you very much, Sam and Louisa, and we'll see you guys on the next episode.